0: This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. In today's episode, I'll be discussing menopause brain, what happens and why kindness and connecting helps with Dr. Nicola Gates. Dr. Nicola Gates is an internationally recognized clinical neuropsychologist, author, speaker and researcher. She has over 25 years experience working with adults, promoting optimal health and well-being for body, brain and mind. Her private practice, Brain and Mind Psychology, combines expertise in neuropsychology and psychology for total health and the prevention of lifestyle-based disease, dementia, and psychological discomfort. Nicola's clinical experience and evidence-based practice underpins her clinical work and ties together mindfulness, positive psychology, and a solution-focused framework to affect positive change and growth. She's appeared many times in professional journals and in the general media. Welcome Nicola to the podcast. Wow, thank you
1: so much Amanda.
0: We've known each other for a few years now and I've referred people to you over the years of course and your expertise is always such a mysterious and fascinating world to me and I'm sure it is to most people. And you have a couple of books. Your bestseller, A Brain for Life, was published with ABC Books in 2016, and it provides a practical guide to reducing dementia risk so that our brain span matches our lifespan. But I was really intrigued also in your new book in 2019 by HarperCollins, The Feel Good Guide to Menopause and it explains how women's sex hormones impact the body, brain, and mental health.
1: So what, first of all, drew you to neuropsychology in the brain? Oh, good question. I actually, I embarked on a psychology career and training like yourself. So, you know, I thought I want to be a psychologist. And as you know, it takes years of, of <laughs> grit and determination. Yeah. And in that process, I started thinking about the brain because you know when I did my training, you know, about three decades ago, <laughs> it was sort of considered separate to the the brain as an as an organ, and, and that didn't really seem logical to me. Obviously, things have changed a lot since then. Yeah. So I started to think, well, what's the play of the brain and all of this? Because obviously, it's it's fundamental. And so I discovered the field of neuropsychology, which actually is a relatively new occupation and, and field of oh. study compared to psychology. I mean, yeah. psychology has got you know, a couple of hundred years behind it. Yeah. Neuropsychology's only got about 70. And the more I started discovering about how the brain impacts emotions, impacts uh, behavior, I thought, well, I've got to marry the two together. And that mm. really is the field of neuropsychology. So that's wow. just only- being curious, really.
0: Yeah, only 70 years old. Wow, that's amazing. And so... You know, a lot of people would wonder, what's the
1: difference between the brain and the mind? Oh, gosh. Well, there's lots of people that answer that, including philosophers and and religious people and so forth. If you think of the brain as the tangible organ that you can touch, so it works through electrical chemical signaling and neurotransmitters, neurotransmitters, as well as hormones. So that's the brain. And we think of it's cognitive processes, memory, problem-solving, attention, and concentration. And then when you talk about the mind, as I said, it depends who you speak to, but the mind, if you like, is that conscious awareness and lots of different disciplines have their own definitions of, of the mind. And how do you tease out that from cognitive processes? How do you tease that out from psychology? Well, you know what? Humans are like to make really complicated matters simple by delineating them and separating them when in fact reality is they're all sort of a callisk of of different things. But as I'm just acknowledging that there are different disciplines that think about this.
0: Mm, Absolutely, there are. And it's a minefield, literally. And so fascinating as we continue to understand where the mind really exists and how it exists.
1: That's correct. because And we're discovering more things all the time that make the space incredibly interesting. And I don't actually think we've really got there yet because no. the mere fact that we know, just I guess, you know, I'm such a nerd, we <laughs> now understand that, we, which we didn't know 10 years ago, for example, we now understand that the brain as an organ shoots resources which is oxygen
0: yeah.
1: to a part of the brain and then we have the thought oh so our brain actually prepares for us to have a thought as in something we're consciously aware of by giving us the energy to have that thought prior to us having it so what comes before that yeah. and you know this is religion and and philosophy sort of for some people there is a spiritual component mm. other people there's a mathematical component so mm. this is where these these different fields, neurology, philosophy, religion, method, you know, they all all get together and they've all got an opinion. But I just like to think of the magic.
0: Oh, isn't it such magic? Absolutely. And to your book, your second book on menopause,
1: why do you think, as you say, menopause has been a taboo subject? Well, actually, it's because it's a taboo subject that led me to write the book. And what do I mean by that? When I wrote my first book, which was about prevention of dementia through lifestyle factors, I kept meeting women of a certain age, and I'm that certain age, who kept saying to me, oh, forget about dementia. Tell me about what's happening in menopause. Like, Mm. Why have I got this brain fog? And, you know, it's not something we talk about, but the fact that I was asking people about their memory in the terms of dementia kind of opened a door. And then I kept hearing the same refrain from women, tell me about my brain fog, tell me Mm. about my brain fog. And I realized that there was this sort of quiet fear happening. And also I was referred women of a certain age to assess if they had dementia and of course they didn't have dementia they had menopause brain and so I thought you know what I've got to write this book I've got to normalize some of these changes I've got to explain to women what's going on so they feel empowered and with information we have opportunity to to make informed choices and, and improve our quality of life so that's really why the book came about and also It broke the taboo because at the same time my book came out, other people started having conversations as well, and other people started bringing research out that was crucial. And in particular, there was a big study that came out from the UK that was looking at menopause and the impact of not supporting women Mm -hmm. of a certain age, the economic impact in their employment. Wow. For example. So, a whole lot of things came together at a similar time that sort of started to break this taboo, which we need to.
0: Oh, that's so brilliant. And what an amazingly wonderful resource and offering your book is. I'm sure it's helping so many women. Thank you. And so how unlucky are women when we have baby brain and then this
1: fog at menopause? Well, it's funny, isn't it, that you say unlucky. Now, I do accept that I am... (laughs) the interminable optimist and so i always look at things positively i don't know about you but i wouldn't stop being a woman for anything these are things that women experience yeah and you know as you know because i've i've had hormone driven breast cancer so and i've gone through medical menopause i'm still in medical menopause which is pretty horrific so i'm not denying these things are tricky yeah but, you know, you don't go through menopause if you haven't been a fertile, healthy woman. Yeah. Like you have to be healthy and you have to be fertile. And fertility is in of itself a sign of health. So yeah. baby brain is because you've been fertile and you have thankfully conceived. I mean, you know, imagine the person who hasn't been fertile and has never experienced baby brain. So mm-hmm. baby brain and menopause brain are symptoms of the hormones that we have and those hormones are absolutely fundamental to creating the people and, and amazing women that that we are so you know you 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 have to take the if you like the discomforts of being a woman with the incredible joys and richness of being a woman
0: well said i completely agree and so demystifying menopause and the effects it has on women is so important you mentioned that your book provides information and I guess if we look at our sort of lay knowledge of menopause, it's that hormones
1: basically are changing and that time of reproduction is coming to an end. That's right. It's like the bookend to puberty. You know, we have, we go through puberty and it, that's about a five year journey as our sexual reproductive hormones come online. So it's related to weight, but between weight and the brain, the brain says, right, let's go. This young woman, this girl is ready to transform into a young woman. So let's, let's change the hormone balance. Let's pump out estrogen and progesterone. Let's create her in this sexually reproductive body. Now, whether we have kids or not is completely immaterial to the conversation we have this puberty and our brain gets used to a different form of estrogen we get progesterone and we adjust and that's the that's the joy and and the heartache of of puberty is adjusting to the onboarding of of these hormone levels. And menopause is the bookend through your life where they go down. And, again, it takes about five or six years. And what we do is we revert back. We don't have progesterone. And we revert back to the original type of estrogen that we had pre-puberty. So a lot of women don't know we have three types of estrogen. Mm. We do. And so what happens is we go back to the one we had pre-puberty. And that's what fundamentally what menopause is. Is that's what it's about. It's about it's that sh- cutting off of estrogen that comes from the ovaries mm. and giving us back the estrogen that we had pre puberty. And you know, post menopause, women have about the same amount of estrogen as a man has always had. Ah. So that often people find that fun fact quite interesting. So it's just the completion of a cycle. And I think it's relevant if we are going to normalize this process. We have to understand that, unlike other species, and particularly if we think of social, large, intelligent social mammals Mm -hmm. in particular, you know, when those female animals stop periods, they basically die. Wow! And if they don't die, they often, like for example, when a lioness stops ovulating, she is sent away from the pride, and she ultimately will die Mm. because she's considered no longer contributing to the reproduction of the of the pride now humans we go through menopause and we keep living and there's so much research now that shows that the reason we go through menopause and keep living for a long time is because the presence of older women significantly improve the health mental health and survival of their grandchildren so basically yes we go through menopause when our daughters, whether we've had them or not, but think of the world as a small village, mm. we go through menopause when our daughters actually become mothers themselves. Now, you've got to remember humans, like other species we go through puberty years before we actually have children and so when our daughters start having children we are not having children because you don't want that competition for resources what happens is we go through menopause and we're able to help our daughters and you see as an aside and related to this and and amanda please interrupt me because i'll for hours, (laughs) that women of a certain age are overrepresented in all charities, volunteer organizations, political organizations around the world. Mm. So we enter a time of our life when we want to make the world better and we want to help all children. For example, we want to improve the environment. And it's a wonderfully liberating time for growth, I think.
0: Oh, it makes so much sense. There's the cycle of life and the design that does make sense. And you also say that understanding self-compassion and reassurance are really important for women going through menopause. And if that's the case, then I can see why the community really needs to understand and, and have compassion and reassurance for women going through menopause. Whereas often you hear women going through menopause or having gone through menopause say, I feel invisible.
1: Mm, that's true and I guess it depends how you feel about being invisible and you know it's so funny when you you've become first aware of that and I remember walking behind my daughter and and some of her friends and I mean absolutely all attention should be on the young we need the young they will take the mantle from us and I dare say they'll do a much better job by the way (laughs) but I remember thinking part of me went oh I really am invisible, and you notice you're invisible and you're in a queue and people talk past you and stuff. And yes. I thought, you know what? It's actually not a bad thing to be invisible because then no one expects you to be amazing. Yeah. And so when you are amazing, because we are, yes, you know, you take people by surprise. So people do say, I think that is changing, and you can. And the reason I say that is because there are so many more commercials and advertisements with women of a certain age. I love Mm. that expression. So I would suggest that we're actually no longer invisible. And that is because, in actual fact, the research is showing that we have, as a generalization, we're much more educated than our mothers were, for example. Mm. And we also have economic independence and disposable income that wasn't perhaps the case in the older generations. And so... You know, it's it's that cold economic reality is that we are no longer invisible because we are absolutely out there. You see us increasingly in all levels of government. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying that there's not improvements to be made. Yes. But I there's is a big shift and we are witnessing a big shift those of us in, in our generation, you know, the next the one that comes after the boomers, and, you know, we get all sorts of names like the sandwich generation <laughs> and so forth. But we are definitely hear us roar and yes. you can see that across all areas of society.
0: You're so right. I think it's the women who aren't involved in society that are the ones feeling invisible. Now these practical strategies that you refer to, what are some of the basic things that really help people and women rather going through menopause?
1: Okay, so if I can just step a bit further out from that question, you know, menopause means different things to different people. So some symptoms are very common, for example, hot flushes. But there are a whole lot of other things that can go on that might be more unique. So my suggestion is first work out what's going on for you. And then because there can be a lot going on but they don't all have to and they might not cause any distress but then work out which ones are causing distress or discomfort or ruining your quality of life and then think about targeting those things discreetly and so practical strategies so there are lifestyle strategies and obviously there are intervention strategies and a simple lifestyle strategies are it's always a, a good time to take stock of your physical health because we know that any health issues that you have pre-menopause are likely to get worse. We also know that things that get harder after menopause to address. So things like fitness, cardiovascular fitness, muscle mass, osteoporosis risk, diabetes, cholesterol, all those sorts of things need to be addressed in menopause because they're all going to get worse post-menopause. So that's just a really simple practical tip. Then I said address, so that's sort of lifestyle because we know that the symptoms of menopause are reduced. If you've had mental health issues, menopause can be a time of increased risk. Uh-huh. It can also be a time when people develop issues that they didn't have before. And that's yep. again, it's got to do with the change in hormones. Yep. So if you have had mental health issues, now would be a good time to just make sure you've got a good social network, maybe a professional team, GP, psychologist, whatever. Just make sure you've got those people around you. And understand that you might need to put your hand up for that. Now, I do suggest addressing the issue specifically prior to perhaps taking, because obviously there are different types of intervention. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's acupuncture. You know, as you know, Amanda is a psychologist. We've got to be really careful when we start making recommendations yeah. on on these sorts of things. But you know, there are acupuncture, there are natural remedies, and there are prescribed remedies such as hormone. Therapy, which is what they're called now. They're not called HRT. Mm-hmm. Now, I suggest that people target specific issues absolutely before trying something like a hormone therapy, which is a blanket approach, but it can be a very blunt instrument. If, like me, you've had a hormone-driven cancer, you can never have HT,
0: Yes, which
1: is even more reason to target specific things. Yes. So I'm quite happy to say I have about – I mean, I have hot flushes about every 90 minutes, and oh. I have about five through the night. Oh. So I do take a non-prescribed sleep treatment. So that's the that's the one thing I treat because obviously if I don't get enough sleep, then that's going to be a problem for everything. Yeah. So it increases flashes and yeah. weight gain and a whole lot of other problems. So think of there is a range of interventions that you can take, and some of the simple ones I talked about lifestyle, but also just getting connected and being around other people. Mm. One of the things that people can feel, again, due to the change in hormones, people can feel isolated and disconnected. So I always say to women, be connected. Find your women's circle, yep. like really, and find those friends that make you feel good about yourself because let's face it, we can all know people that are energy drainers <laughs> and don't make us feel good. Absolutely. I'm sure we, we all we all know them. Menopause is a good time to get rid of them. Yes. And be really particular about how you spend your energy and the people you spend your energy with. Amanda, I've just realized I have said a few things that I probably need to explain a bit further, if that's okay. Of course. I talked about hormone changes, and that's to estrogen and progesterone. And our testosterone levels also go down, which is associated with, for example, our sex drive. But the decrease in estrogen in particular impacts other hormones, and that's also what I was referring to. So a decrease in estrogen leads to an increase in the stress response, Uh which means we can feel more anxious. Yes. We also get a decrease in serotonin, which is why we can get depressed Mm -hmm. and feel sad. We get a decrease in oxytocin, which means that we can feel disconnected and isolated from other people. And the decrease in progesterone can lead to an increase in anxiety. Mm. So you can see that there is actually a lot going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the stress levels too, is that an increase in adrenal cortisol that happens due to the – I have heard, uh, and of course it's not my area, that as estrogen decreases, progesterone decreases, we're actually using more adrenal cortisol. Is that the
1: case or not? Yes, and we need to make estrogen and because we need a different supply of estrogen, and that involves androgens, Uh and that is related to what you're talking about. So we need a little bit of adipose tissue, and we synthesize androgens to make the right type of estrogen, so not ovarian estrogen, to make the estrogen that we require. So there's there's other things going on in there in the mix. So, for example, if we're doing a lot of... If we've got high stress and a lot of cortisol and a lot of adrenal function, that can impact about how much estrogen we have and so forth. It's very complicated to try and describe Mm. it in a linear fashion, but
0: yeah. Oh, and so much is going on for women during this time that I can see now why self-compassion and mutual reassurance is so important. It's such a huge amount of bodily changes, hormonal changes.
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: And then the identity change, as you say, of no longer being a fertile female and going through that identity developmental phase that takes a bit of, for most women, I think, a bit of soul searching.
1: That's right. But it also, menopause coincides for a lot of women, and and I call it the trifecta. It happens at at quite a crucial time, often in careers, often in family life stage in terms of Older parents, children leaving home, and relationship changes as you know mm-hmm. you know we talk, you, you talk about developmental stages across the the lifespan yep. and identity, yes, but it also can be a pivot point in relationships. so these all coalesce you know with hormone changes, body changes, identity changes, family lifestyle changes, perhaps returning to career, perhaps looking to downsize career. there's a lot going on.
0: And as you say, in your own case, it was brought on by your cancer and so it was induced by that. And in many cases, myself included, it's quite an unexpected shock when it happens and it can happen at a youngish age. I was very surprised when I reached menopause, but I understood that it was due to a lot of stress over a lifetime. That would sometimes make menopause earlier for some
1: women. Is that your understanding? Yes, and also for women who've done IVF and things like that, they actually don't tell you that when they're doing egg harvesting. But it can bring menopause much earlier because they've harvested eggs, and yeah. eggs are you know part of the part of the story. And some some women go. I mean, I met a, a, a beautiful uh, young woman who actually went into menopause in her mid twenties, mm. and of course, it took her ages for it to. For people to actually work out what was going on because it wasn't the first thing they thought of, no. so there is a small group of people who go through very early menopause, mm. and of course that sets you apart from all your peers when they're you know when you go through that at such an early age, but yes, it is it does it does take a big adjustment mm, it does, and
0: look, I think we we need to answer another question that's lurking in the room, which is do men go through anything like this as they age well. <laughs>
1: There is an increasing understanding that men go through an age transition because they have less testosterone. But we have to acknowledge, and this is factual, It's not there's no political or anything attached to what I'm about to say, women are far more complicated than men. Yeah. And that's well documented. We have a more complicated health story than men, accessing medical services than men. And, you know, we have some health protections that men don't have because of our hormones. And one of the reasons that women actually were basically locked out of medical research until as late as the 1990s is because of our physiological complexity so you know if you look at the whole, all babies start as females the x chromosome yes. and then the y chromosome kicks in now, if you look at the size difference of those two you'll understand why women are far more complicated physiologically than men i mean fundamentally we have to grow an alien inside our body mm-hmm. and not kill it and not let it kill us so so if anyone's sort of got their heckles up saying how could you say these things just pause Cool, cool your jets, as my son would say. (laughs) Just think about this as David Attenborough would talking about another species. Okay. So we have to convert our bodies to a human incubation unit, develop another human being. And that requires us to be physiologically far more complex than men. Mm. So we obviously go through a much more complicated hormonal shift we have three hormones that go down they have one again there's no political story around that it's it's fact. Yeah. So there is evidence that men do go through a transition, including to identity. Often, you know, careers are changing. It's often a time that men, that some men, you know, <laughs> divorce the wife that gave them the first round of children and take up the younger model and go for another family and, and then go, goodness me, what have I done? Yeah. And they do go through physiological changes with a decrease of testosterone. Having said that, they start losing muscle mass much earlier than they start losing into testosterone but that is a real thing for them male men start having major erectile dysfunction and midlife at the same time so there's a lot going on for them you know they're losing their all that machismo stuff you know erectile function muscle mass all that's changing for them it's an identity issue it can impact upon career as well
0: yeah again an identity developmental crisis or phase if negotiated successfully so you've got an extensive body of academic research you're an internationally recognised researcher with multiple peer reviewed publications you've authored multiple articles and in the popular media as well as academic. What drives you to keep doing all of this work, or are you finding you're wanting to slow down now
1: i'm shifting the how I work what drives me you know what i'm just i'm compulsively curious, and my curiosity just drives me forwards all the time and I just keep wanting to share what I'm learning I guess Mm. with other people you know I have changed the way I work principally because I've become an apiarist so I now keep bees and I'm gardening a lot so I'm learning I'm not very good at foreign languages but I'm certainly learning plant and bee so what keeps me going it's curiosity and you know this is we only remember this one gig of this gorgeous journey of life. Mm. And I certainly want to wring as much as I can out of mine. And that's what keeps me going. Beautiful. So, do you have any future recommendations for people or researchers? You know, <laughs> it's such a humble request. My recommendational request, it's actually, I'm going to present it as an invitation. I just invite people to be kind. Mm to be kind to themselves and you know if people are kind to themselves we know as psychologists that that means they're more likely to be kind and compassionate to others and so if we all start from the preference of self-kindness be it accepting who we are be it following our passions being it self-forgiveness being kind to nurture our health address our well-being being kind to surround ourselves by people that think well of us if we all start from self-kindness then we're going to spread that out to, you know, all sentient beings, to the environment, to other people, and, and collectively we just make this whole planet and this gorgeous thing called life better.
0: I love that sentiment, and we so need exactly more kindness, as you're saying. And, look, I'm asking all my guests another question, which is what makes you psyched for life? <laughs> life. ah <laughs> Wonderful. That's the best answer I've received so far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's such a crazy gig. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It is. You know, it's just this wonderful, rich, crazy gig with left-hand turns and ups and downs, but it's it's just amazing. It is. It is and a blessing.
0: You can contact Dr. Gates at www.brainandmindpsychology.com. Thank you, Nicola, so much, Dr Nicola Gates, for being our guest today. Thank you, Amanda. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 333 497 or or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14, and Kids Helpline, again 24-7 on 1800 55 1800, and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.